Good morning, New City. It's good to be worshiping with you this morning virtually. As you can see, I'm in the sanctuary, uh, bringing the sermon to you this morning from the sanctuary. Can't wait till we can all be together in the sanctuary, worshiping our Lord. One of the things I've been aware of over the last handful of weeks as we're in the stay-at-home order and quarantined is that there is, that many of us are experiencing to a very real degree um, isolation, uh, perhaps even in ways that we've never experienced it before. And, and this is weighing on my spirit pretty heavily because I know that social connection is, is necessary for us to be spiritually and emotionally healthy. It's a part of our require, we, we need connection with other people in order to experience well-being. It's difficult to be a healthy human and remain disconnected from other people. Now, I think most of us just know this intuitively, but there have actually been psychological studies that have confirmed this. One of my favorite Christian psychologists wrote about this, quoted a couple studies that show this. That He writes, there was an Almeida County study that tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than people with strong emotional connections. They found, moreover, that people who had bad health habits like smoking, poor eating habits, no exercise, alcohol use, and so on, people with bad health habits just in general, but strong social ties, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits like jogging and everything, but were isolated. There's another study that found much the same uh, results. It was published in the Journal of American Medical Association. They infected 276 volunteers with a virus that produces a common cold. This study found that people with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illness than those who were isolated. What these two studies point to is the interrelationship between our immune system and our social connections. It's like the very makeup of our internal health system, the system that is designed to fight off germs and viruses, is dependent on our connectedness to other people, our emotional and relational well-being, our social lives. You and I are literally healthier when we are in the context of strong social relationships. And in this time of a global pandemic where we're all forced to stay at home and simultaneously also want a strong immune system, this is hard. Now, I've heard people suggest or or talk about the importance of, of maintaining a strong immune system. They said things like make sure you get enough sleep, eat healthy, avoid sugar, practice stress management because stress decreases the, uh, the capacity of your immune system to fight off illness. But these studies are pointing to the importance of maintaining strong social bonds as a way to bolster our immune system. They suggest that our capacity to fight off viruses is directly linked to our social connectedness. So while we are in quarantine, what are we to do? Thankfully, there are ways that you and I can remain socially connected to one another without being in the same room as one another. In what our passage for today, and in our passage for today, the Apostle Peter speaks to this reality. 
He talks about the way you and I can maintain strong social connection at a spiritual level even while we are far apart. There's a spiritual reality that he's going to talk about which is unseen and hidden from the naked eye which can form a real and meaningful bond that transcends the limits of stay-at-home orders that keep us physically, socially distanced from one another. Listen as I read this passage, the Word of God, to us this morning. <clears throat> passage comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-12. through 12. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted the Lord, that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What Peter is talking about in our passage for today is the way the church forms a new community of social connectedness. The summary or the sort of thesis for this whole passage, he quotes some stuff from Isaiah about the cornerstone and capstone and stumbling on the stone. But the, the overarching imagery is summarized in verse 9 where he says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In this verse and throughout the whole passage, Peter is defining what it means to be a part of a spiritual community. And at first, you and I may think that Peter is talking about what it's like when we get together as a small group or, or what happens when we all gather in this building and sing songs of praise to God. Like Then, as we sing together in one space and declare God's glory, then it's like we're his temple. Or like when we're out all together doing a service project, then we're, we're the embodied presence of Jesus. It's like we come together and form God in those spaces. And while that's true, we know that's not what Peter was talking about. Because Peter is writing to Christians who did not live together. This letter was written to Christians who were socially distanced from each other. They, they were 
out in the diaspora. He's writing to people who are experiencing social distancing in the ancient world because of persecution that had been experienced from the Roman Empire, and they had fled and spread out. Listen, it's clear right from the beginning this is what Peter is talking about. In the opening verses, we read this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is how Peter opens his letter. He is writing this letter to Christians who weren't living together. Those believers who were spread out and isolated from one another, just like you and I are now in this time of social distancing. And these believers would not have been able to meet in person, and yet, what Peter is naming is that despite their physical distance, they are still connected. They are still together. There is a social connectedness amongst them, even though they are physically apart. And this means that spiritual community that he is naming as true for them and is also true for us is not dependent upon being physically near to one another. That there is a way that you and I are connected socially on a spiritual level. How? How is this the case? How can you and I be connected even though we are apart? And this is even in the time before the internet, before Zoom, before text messages. So he's not saying, well, you can still stay connected digitally. He is talking about a spiritual level by which they are connected. And as he's trying to explain how they can make up this temple even while being far apart, or this social connectedness even while being far apart, he uses a metaphor of the temple to describe how this is the case. He says this in verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What Peter is naming here is that the foundation upon which our spiritual connection to one another is built is a spiritual, individual spiritual connection to Jesus that each of us has. He's saying that Jesus is the cornerstone in this metaphor that we are all individually built upon. As we come to this living stone, this cornerstone, we're built into a holy temple. So he's naming that the basis and foundation of our spiritual connectedness to one another is the shared relationship we have to Jesus. So he says that using metaphor of the temple. Then, a few verses later, he elaborates on that, not using metaphorical language, but using mystical language. Describes what it feels like to be connected in this way. He says this in verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him. This is the part that he's describing, this shared connection. Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. To be built upon the cornerstone of Jesus feels like an experience of being called out of darkness into God's wonderful and glorious light. This is what each of us experiences by the grace of Jesus, the fellowship of the Spirit, the love of the Father in our inner life. And this common experience 
unites us and keeps us connected. And Peter's using this mystical language to describe something that is mysterious, but it, it's also pretty common. This is a pretty common experience for a Christian. It, it's happened to all of you, I'm sure. It, it happens whenever you experience something like this. You're living your life and things are not going quite right. And all of a sudden you realize that you're going in the wrong direction or things aren't going right. And, you, and you're saying, uh-oh, I need God. And so there is this moment of turning towards God in your inner life. And, and usually this is when we pray our most eloquent and theologically rich prayers. They usually go something like this. Help. When we find ourselves in trouble, we turn inward towards God and say something approximating a prayer like that. Help me. Anybody can pray this, but it's a beautiful prayer because it's a prayer of surrender. I mean, I realize it, but, but when you ask God to help you, you're implicitly consenting to his will. You're surrendering to his ways. You're saying to God in, in that simple word, thy will be done. We're saying to God, show me the way I want to follow you, Jesus. And as you and I do this, Everything in us starts to change. That darkness that clouds our mind when we are consumed with selfish desire, it starts to fade away. Life gets a little bit simpler as we are simply choosing to fall in the way of Jesus, this way of love that Jesus modeled for us. And we start to experience the work of God within us, this shift from darkness to light. Anger starts to give way to joy. Resentment is transformed into a willingness to forgive our enemies. Rigidity, needing to have everything go right the way we think it needs to be, melts into gentleness. Our need for power and control slips away. Humility takes its place. Self-centeredness wanes. Sacrificial love emerges. This is what it feels like when we have this transition from darkness to light. And as we start to live in this life of joy and forgiveness and gentleness and humility and love, our whole life feels richer and more full of life. Light. This is what God does for us, his children, his people. This is how God builds his temple. He comes to us through the grace of Jesus and ushers us out of darkness to light. And what Peter is naming is that as you have experienced that, and as I have experienced that, as others have experienced that, it forms a social connection because we have this common transformative experience in our inner life. You and I are connected because we are each individually connected to Jesus through our inner life, through the presence of the Spirit dwelling in us. Each of us has experienced this change in big ways and small. In little ways, like God's Spirit moves in you enough to forgive a family member of something small, or the way you're able to practice generosity towards those in need. Or the big ways, like when the Holy Spirit frees you to forgive a friend who betrayed you, or the way you're able to choose a career or calling that requires monumental amounts of sacrificial love. This is the work of the Spirit. This is God bringing us from darkness to light in me and in you. And when God is doing that, we are connected to one another because we share this common bond in God. This is the spiritual connection that we share with one another 
even though we are far apart. And as we experience that and it, it changes the way that we live, we start to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and live this life of love. We start to embody his love in our lives, start to live life of love that he called us to live. Peter says that as this starts to happen, he's kind of mixing his metaphors now. We're no longer just God's temple, but we also become citizens of heaven and priests on earth who are commissioned to offer sacrifices unto the Lord. So at first we're the temple, but then he kind of mixes the metaphor a little bit. And now we're the priests in the temple offering sacrifices which bridge the gap between people and God. Says this in verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And the sacrifices that we offer are the sacrifices of our lives of love. In ancient Israel, they're offering animal or grain sacrifices in the temple. But in the spiritual temple that is built upon the grace of Jesus, the sacrifice that you and I offer. It is our acts of love as we live this holy life of love following in the footsteps of Jesus. He spells out exactly what this looks like at the end of our passage. Verse 11 and 12, he writes, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, because we're citizens of heaven, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Even though we're far apart, you and I have a calling to be God's holy priests in this world, in the mundane and ordinary part of your life. You can offer sacrifices unto the Lord by simply leading a life of love. I know that as you and I are far apart physically, that it can feel like we're disconnected, but there is a spiritual dimension on which you and I are connected. We're connected because each of us has this common foundation in Jesus that has transformed our lives, on which our lives are built, and we are connected in calling. Each of us in our own spaces is living out this calling to be a priest, to be someone who offers sacrifices of love to God. This is hidden to the naked eye. But on the spiritual level, all of us in our individual spaces are bringing glory and praise to our Father in heaven as we lead holy lives of love. And we're connected in this way. A few weeks ago, our denomination's youth leaders collaborated in an online singing experiment. Each youth was invited to record themselves singing the same song and then send it in to the people who were organizing this. And then those people took every individual song and kind of mashed it up together, the videos of the person singing, the audios of the person singing, and it became the, like one big song with all these individual parts put together. They aren't the only people who have done this. This has kind of become like a common, cool thing to do. If you're on YouTube at all, I'm sure you've seen famous people doing this as well. Individual people sing songs and then they get put together and it compiles into this beautiful medley chorus of people singing. Even though people are socially isolated, they're creating this beautiful song together. And this, in a way, feels like a metaphor for what you and I are doing. Our holy lives are individual songs of praise to God. But in this hidden spiritual realm, our good deeds, they all come together and rise up 
to the Lord in a song of praise. So we're far apart, but we're together in creating this chorus of praise, which brings glory to our Father in heaven as we lead holy lives of love. Your simple daily attempt to lead a life of sacrificial love, it's so hard to do, to consistently just give your life away in love for others. This is echoing into eternity on the spiritual realm in praise to God. We're uniting as this holy family, bringing glory to God across this whole region in the spiritual realm. We're connected, bringing glory to God individually as we leave lives of love. And this is real connectedness. If we pay attention to it, it can nourish our souls. We can feel connected to one another in this time of social distancing. We're united by Christ's love for us, and we're united in this calling to be priests, living lives of holy love for one another. So what I would like us to consider putting into practice this week is ways that we can remain aware of the spiritual connectedness that we share with one another. It's too easy for us to forget that we are spiritually connected and feel isolated when in fact we are a part of this larger connected whole, this temple, fulfilling our calling as priests, offering praise to our Father in heaven. So what can you do this week to foster an awareness of your spiritual connectedness with other believers in Jesus. Now, I want to make a couple suggestions. The first is that you would um, nurture your personal relationship with God by making some time for prayer. It's in our prayer life that we are reminded of our shared connection to one another through our connection to the cornerstone, to our foundation, to our connectedness to God through the grace of Christ. So it's important that we're in touch with this part of our lives by making time for prayer. It feels like something that we do that's very alone to sit and pray, but it is as we connect to God in our inner life that we share something in common with one another all around the Twin Cities as we pray and connect with the Father through this inner life connection. The second thing I want you to consider Uh, being aware of is as you're striving to lead this holy life of love, uh, don't, um, don't be discouraged. Don't think that your acts of love are insignificant. When we're in this stay at home order, pandemic, quarantine situation, it feels like all the days are bleeding together into one another. And in that sort of experience, it can be tempted when we're feeling the call to do a good deed or to, to act in love, to think, why does this matter? Who, who cares if I do the right thing? No one sees me loving my kids. No one sees me doing the right thing. No one sees me doing the right thing at work. Why should I bother? But what I want to remind you of is the way that your simple, faithful acts of good deeds, of leading a life of love, together we form this chorus of praise to our Father in Heaven. Each of us in our own physical location, playing our role On the spiritual level, we're connected together, creating this chorus of praise. So don't be scared. See your acts of love as a part of a a larger whole contributing to this life of, of praise that we collectively are offering up to our Lord. Friends, I know that this is hard. Some of us are really feeling isolated. And so I want you to persevere in doing good 
and find ways to feel connected to one another. If you're a part of a small group uh, and you haven't been meeting over Zoom, maybe suggest to your group that you start meeting. If your group has a meeting, make sure you join them. Um, if you have a friend that you can call and you can maybe talk about how you're pursuing this life of love, encourage one another on. This really helps us be aware of this connectedness that we share, this common purpose that we share. You can talk about what you're doing in your prayer life, how you're experiencing God's spirit moving within you. Do whatever you can to be aware of your connectedness to one another on this spiritual level. And please know that I'm right here with you every day. I am attempting to connect with the Lord through prayer and then I'm doing my very best to lead a life of love with my family, with anybody that I happen to come in contact with if I go out. I'm attempting to uh, live into this calling to be a priest to our God, living a life of holy love with, uh, as I live a life of sacrificial love for others. I hope that you'll join me today and this week and in the days ahead. God's love, Christ's grace, fellowship of the Spirit to you today. Amen.